Talk about this movie. <laughs> it's apparently it's Adam's favorite Bond film. It's I actually misspoke. I think that it's not my favorite. It's the one it's you've seen fav- the most. Yeah, it's the one that I've seen the most. And also The Living Daylights is the one is the other one that I've seen the most. So these two. Actually The Living Daylights is the one that I've seen the most the most. Is, now who do you one thing that John and I have talked about in the past is that at least for me, you know, I came up in the Roger Moore era of Bond right. films. Like I was a kid <laughs> and Roger Moore was Bond when I was a kid. So like he's the my Bond. Right. Uh even even though I now having seen all of the Bond movies up through uh, License to Kill, which is what we're talking about today, yeah. up until that point, having seen them all, it's very clear. And it's it there's the cliche thing to say is what everybody says. Sean Connery was the best. Of course, he was the best. And now, as as an adult, I feel like Sean Connery is my Bond. But I realize that the Bond that I grew up with is Roger Moore. So who is who is your Bond? I'm still hanging. <sighs> yeah. Like Boy, I kind miss. of, <laughs> we're talking about the the bonds, um, and who is who is the who is your bond? But I would say that I span like I I was also a Roger. I was a kid when Roger Moore was Bond, and I was also I was a kid when Timothy Dalton was Bond. So when uh, License to Kill came out, I was eleven, and then by the time five years later, five six years later, by the time the next Bond film came out. Um, and it was Pierce Brosnan, I was already over it. I was jaded. I was, you know, an angsty <laughs> teen and I didn't want anything to do with Bond. Right. So, you know, Pierce Brosnan could go piss up a rope. And then and Daniel, whatever his face is, all of them, I, I, could, I could care less. But um, Timothy Dalton and Roger Moore were the hero Bonds for me. So, in, 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 and actually, objectively, I step back and look at it and I think that, you know, in retrospect, Timothy Dalton is not—it's not the world's greatest Bond. Um, but I still have a certain, you know, attachment to him. Iguanas are a girl's best friend, Adam. Okay. I enjoyed this movie much more than I expected to. Me too. The last time I saw yeah. it, last time I saw it, I really trashed it in my notes. I, I, huh. I really thought it was horrific, and there's a lot of problems with it. But I don't sure. know why I was into it. I, I don't know. Okay, I mean, listen. So time- this is what struck me, guys. Before we get too into it. Here's how to think of this movie to make it a great movie. This is the way you do it. It's a long episode of Miami Vice, guest starring Timothy Dalton. <laughs> Put it you in, know, think of it like that. If you grew up watching Miami Vice, which I did, and I lived in South Florida at the time, so the, you know, really important show for us. That's what it, it's a great episode of Miami Vice, and also it, Timothy Dalton's in it. From my notes, from my old notes, actually, from the last time I watched it, I wrote "Looks like an old NBC TV show." Right? Yeah, it does. It's very. It magnetic. really has yeah. that. Production values, yeah, the o- overlit shot in a lot of sun, and, um, and really obvious sound stages. You know, like really, really bad dressing to to make a sound stage look like a hotel room. You know, like just <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding me! I mean, it's just huge ceilings and no walls. And so, you guys have been watching all of them. How many of them? How many of them are about drugs? Like where the bad guy is a drug dealer. What percentage been a few percentage. Well, let, let's see. I don't think what was the first one where that was involved. Hmm. I'm just I think the first one is the Roger Moore one with uh, Mr. Big. Uh, what was the Roger Moore one with the first one he was in? Live and let die. Live and let die. 
right? Now, that oh. was about drugs, right? Yeah, I think okay. that might have been the first one where that was really... That was 1971, and that's the one where uh, the guy had that was into voodoo, but really what the whole right. thing was island country was he had a bunch of uh, opium fields. Right. Then we have The Man with the Golden Gun, not about drugs, really. Right. Spy Who Loved Me. Not drugs. Not, not drugs. Yeah, Moonraker. Definitely not drugs. For Your Eyes Only. Be on it. Not drugs. Octopussy. Not drugs. Never and this say one never. is an 80s drug. thing. This, yeah, this well, one that's is why it's a Miami Vice, because every episode of Miami Vice was about drugs. Yeah, so wasn't the last one about drugs? Oh. The last one was about drugs, too. The first Timothy Dalton, right? Those guys in Afghanistan were, were moving dope. Yeah, they were. But this yeah. was popular. Well, it was an yeah. 80s thing. Drugs well, were, say, say no to drugs at its peak in the, in the yeah. late 80s, for sure. And, you even, and that's why it's funny to see, um, you know, all the, all the moments. It's a recurring, um, it's a, it's a recurring uh, thing to have... Um, you know, a bond just like trashing the drugs or throwing them away or getting rid of right, them. Right, right, smashing them. Like you can just almost see like Nancy Reagan standing up in her seat and cheering. <laughs> and you have Benicio del Toro dressed as Don Johnson in this movie. <laughs> right. Brilliant, brilliant character. I loved. I he was the loved best. He almost reminded me a little bit of a, of a Brad. He had a Brad Pitt thing happening in this. Yeah, he's great. I, I, I really good. Snipped, I, I grabbed a bunch of um of sound clips from the movie and this is one of my this was one of my favorites where's my wife don't worry we gave her a nice honeymoon yeah! <laughs> oh, brilliant. That's, that's, that good. was a del toro choice that yeah, was not a really good Toro choice that was really yeah, good he made, he made the movie in a lot of ways now keep in mind this movie this is the same time period as die hard and right. Lethal Weapon. And that's who it's, in a lot of ways, that's who it's competing with. Because the whole time I watched this movie, I felt this is an action movie, really. Or it wants to be. Yeah. You know, uh, and, so- and very different from every other Bond that came before it. All, I, like, you remember, which was the movie, John, where, uh, where, where you said, this is, this is where Bond becomes the super spy, where he ro- has the rocket pack. This was, was it Sean Connery? Uh, third no, Sean Connery? No. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. No, I don't think any of the Connery ones he became the super. Yeah, he kind of rocketed around. And anyway, you know, this this was such a diversion from the traditional. It's a bad movie, though. <laughs> I did enjoy it more. I'm gonna give it. I'll give it three stars instead of two. But it's. I so enjoyed. Much, it's, no, I really enjoyed. I mean, I got into. It. I really liked watching it. I thought there were so many funny I, things. But like, I I enjoyed it the way you enjoyed like watching an old. TV show that reminds you of your childhood or something. Sure. I think it's it I enjoy this movie less than The Living Daylights just cuz I think Living Daylights is more successful on an aesthetic level just cuz it yeah. mostly because of the of the locations and stuff. Like it's And it moves. The movie it, yeah. it, it this movie it gets stuck in certain scenes yeah. and just Yeah, it's, it's pretty boring. Yeah. It's slow and it you get stuck in like you're in a boat for a while, a boat for a while. Long time. A, just really tediously paced. And, really and you know, and what's what's James Bond's cool car? It's a big rig. <laughs> That's his cool car. That's the car. Like you know, you want to give kids who are watching it something to go out and like they really want it. You know, like oh, an Aston Martin, whatever. Uh, you know, it, that it, oh well, it's a big rig, and he does kind of like a what is that called? It's not a wheelie. Well, he does actually. He does a wheelie in one of them. Yeah, he does two wheelies. He does like a side wheelie. Uh, I don't know if there's a name. Is there a name for <laughs> That's a side what I mean. wheelie? What's a side wheelie? I don't know. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll just go with side wheelie for now. But. 
And Disney, oh, man, yeah. would you would you be okay if your wife went around just kissing other guys on the lips at parties over and over? Oh, were you talking about Priscilla Barnes? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a terrible thing. She's 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 a trollop. That one. Yeah. As much as I love uh, Priscilla Barnes, as much as I love Terry from Three's Company, I did not see. I <laughs> I felt like you couldn't, you can't replace, you can never replace Chrissy. Really? Oh God, no! I, I, I was I was I was heavily into Priscilla Barnes. I I kept. Um, but she was cute, fact, but you can't she was replace cute. Chrissy. And she, but she's got a little bit of too much of a comedic sensibility mm. for a bond for a Bond movie, I think. With the first time you see her, she's in the back of a limo and like her her veil comes down comically. Yeah. And then I expected the... <laughs> the whole Felix Leiter's getting married thing and... and Pretty dumb. Got to go quick. We got to delay the wedding by an hour to go catch a drug dealer. I mean, yeah. it was a good stunt. I like the idea of a stunt. Where it's Bond's going to jump down from a helicopter and wrap a grapple around a plane. All right, yeah. that's a good. I could see that as an '80s Bond movie spectacular opening stunt. And uh, it's a good trope to have the the action hero's social life disrupted by their duties as an action hero. I right. like that kind of stuff too. Yeah, right. But uh, uh, but the whole thing was so convoluted. And and having the wedding at your house is so, again, it's like a TV episode. Right. That's what I, I have never ever in my life been at a wedding that is held at somebody's house at their the house of one of the getting married. I don't know. Maybe it's a California thing. Uh, have you, Adam? Have you ever been to a wedding at someone's house? <laughs> I never. Um, yeah, Jim, Jim, Jim Ray's wedding was at some, what, was that a, what is that was that a house? Well, there you go. Well, then I'm wrong. But it still seems like a TV thing. So listen, here's, like here's something that threw me for a loop. The guy who's like, uh, well, what was the, the bag? Did Sanchez? Is that his name? Sanchez. Front Sanchez. Yeah, okay. Robert Davi. So he's got his like accountant running around with him. And I kept trying to place this guy. Okay, so his name yeah. is Anthony Stark is the actor's name. And the whole time I'm thinking, oh, it's Bob Sugar from Jerry Maguire. It's Bob Sugar. It's not Bob Sugar. Mm-hmm. Bob Sugar is Jay Moore. Right, but the whole I know, time I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I was. They to wanted me, it was Bob. Jay Moore might have been too young for this. If Jay Moore had been of age, <laughs> it's it would have been. Yeah. Was he? Wasn't he in? Um, wasn't he in Die Hard? Anthony Stark. He probably was. Yeah, I think he was. He wasn't Hans Bobby. I'm your White Knight. That wasn't him. Um, he's also he's in uh, Revenge of the Nerds, I believe. Revenge of the Nerds Part Two, maybe. Really. Yeah, I'm just looking this up. Sorry. You know what? Watching this movie, I was reminded of something, and I remember it from when I was in high school. So I was in like, uh, this was 1989, so I was uh, probably like 10th or 11th grade, 10th grade, I guess, when this came out. Uh, Totally into Bond movies, you know, went to see all the (laughs) blockbusters. Uh, I'm sure, surely saw this movie in the theater. But I remember the promotional campaign, the, the Bond is back, like it was clearly like calculated it wasn't just like critics were saying it it was like part of the message that they put out about the movie that this is a new bond you know that it's you know and it's definitely true both of the the timothy dalton movies break the formula that the more movies have gotten into right they didn't reboot the franchise but they've clearly re rejiggered how we're going to do these movies and that one of them it was like an actual explicit message that the pr people had was that he was going to he was going to break his womanizing ways that that it was like, uh, uh, you know, that that any kind of criticisms that Bond uh, is too uh, uh, sexually promiscuous, that that they're gonna get away from that. 
Yeah, and I thought well, it was conspicuous in this movie. Like he's at a wedding and he's not trying to bang any chicks. No, <laughs> right. Well, there they. I like how they play the two um, female leads against each other. There's this one scene that gave me shivers. I'm gonna find it. Um, <laughs> oh, it's the shaken, not stirred line. Oh, right. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. Right. Here he comes. Miss Kennedy, would you get me a medium dry vodka martini? What a shaken, dry- not stirred. Right, so the, the two women are the, they, and they shoot each other looks that could, you know, they're both, compl- they're both amazing looking, by the way. Both yeah. of these women, I'm so fully into. Carrie, Carrie Lowell and uh, Talisa Soto. Talisa Soto, yeah. yeah. And she went on to do a lot of, oh, yeah. a ton of acting things, and Carrie Lowell married uh, Richard <laughs> Gere eventually. Right, right, right. Not a, yeah, not a strong true. actress. Not a, but and there's uh, to me and it was epitomized the, the scene that to me really epitomized the the way that it was out of character and I just feel like Timothy Dalton just got it, it, I don't blame him because clearly it was how it was written and how it was directed and he had no choice uh, but it's the scene where he he's in uh, he's got the drug money and he goes down to Isthmus City wherever that's supposed to be and uh, he's at the he's at the bank president's office and he says I got a little I've got a little deposit to make and he clunks down this suitcase with five million in cash. Right. And he's there enjoying a cigar, and uh, what's her name? Pam Bouvier, you know, is uh, Ms. Kennedy. His assistant comes in after he gave her some money to go get cleaned up, and she's right. got a sexy new haircut and a, and oh, a yeah. nice dress. Mm-hmm. He gives her this like slack jawed, eyes wide, <laughs> eyebrows right. up, like wow, like as though he hadn't noticed before she got the dress and haircut that she was hot. Right. Oh right? yeah, but but you have to admit, sure, her haircut was a little dowdy before before. No, the it, it was, it was. But I, I think John, what John's saying is, I thought they already did it on the boat. At oh this point. yeah, like this is like he'll his, do, he, Bond will do it with anyone. She doesn't have to be good. Yeah, but she, at this point, he's not going to be surprised. He already knows she's hot. Right. He's not like yeah, shocked like, to get oh, oh come on, my heart dropped a little bit when she walks in with the new. Yeah, but haircut. he didn't play. But that's the thing. See, you're a regular you guy. Would, we're yeah, a regular we would guys. do that because we're not cool. James Bond, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why we like James Bond because when, when something like that happens, he he's already it. ready for it. Yeah. He expected yeah. it to happen. He's almost bored by it. Right, right. For us, that's like the big moment. We'll talk about that for a month. Right. Connery would have looked at her. If Connery had been in this movie, he would have looked at her and you would have seen it in his eyes that he, he was thinking, maybe I should ask these guys to leave us alone in this office for a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It yeah, well, I think not cool. <clears throat> well, if I, I think that, like, for just from reading a little bit about it, Timothy Dalton wanted to play this character way more serious and with less humor than any other, any other, like, certainly the less than Roger Moore had. He right. he wanted to be like he wanted to be about the uh, the internal, you know, um, the internal struggle of of like being a hired assassin, basically. Um, so, which made the character a little bit boring, to be honest. What, but, uh, uh, was, was the term in 1989 Oriental, was that still the preferred nomenclature? No, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. We have a deal with I the think. Orientals. You oh, see, really? That's what he said. That was Wait, the line. Who, they the used movie. it a couple of times, actually. Yeah, we have a deal with who's the Orientals. It? I well, wasn't the, sure though. I wasn't sure whether that wasn't calculated though. Yeah, like, was it supposed to sound like disrespectful? 
Right, because it was Sanchez's men who were referring to the Hong Kong gangsters as Orientals. I thought it was sort of calculated. Right. Well, I love how I love how they're running around during the explosions at the meditation retreat center. They still have their briefcases while they're running around. I mean, they're you know the total stereotypical. You know, I'm from an Asian country. I wear a suit and really, really big glasses and carry a briefcase with me everywhere. Right. Right, um, and I love how there were like a dozen of them, which yeah. made it seem like they'd gotten off like a tour bus. Yeah, the tour same bus. tour bus together. Where were their cameras? Well, this was in so '89. We were still kind of, I feel like, as a country, we were still like steeped in fear of the Japanese taking over the world. Oh, right? right, like so there there was still a lot of this stereotyping in, in movies, like in Gung Ho and stuff. Yeah, um, Terry Kagawa. Uh, Kerry, I'm sorry, Ter- Kerry Tagawa is one of the, is the good-looking dude, the good-looking Japanese dude. He was way too um, cool to, to be gone so quick in that movie. For sure. He yeah, could he have been, I could see a whole there. movie with just him in it. Yeah, he's in one of my favorite um, Sean Connery movies ever, which is Rising Sun, notoriously despised by Japanese people for its inauthenticity, but that Michael Crichton movie. Do you guys remember that? I don't Rising remember. Sun? You don't? I think I do. Oh, it's great. Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes team up to uh, bring the Yakuza down. It sounds oh, familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was Michael Douglas in that? No, that's Black Rain. Okay, same movie. <laughs> Harvey Keitel was in it. Yeah, that's Black Rain also, maybe? <laughs> no, right. Oh, no, Harvey, Harvey Keitel is in Yeah, yeah, he's in Rising Sun. Yeah. Is this the one on the sub where the captain has a little dog? That, that's Das Boot. Okay. Well, if it, I, here's something I thought was kind of neat is that Q's role in this was – I feel like this was his biggest role yet. This was like his jackpot role. Q had way more screen time and was may, way more involved in what was going on. And how many times in this movie did Bond tell either uh, – the, the girl or, or cute get on a plane go you're done yeah, it was like, like every the end of every times. scene ends that way <laughs> thank you you can go now i'll meet you back in london i work best alone get the hell out of here so uh, the guy gets <clears throat> felix gets eaten by a shark and then he comes back very chipper at the long. end of the movie for having lost yeah. his legs and his wife yeah yeah <laughs> hey bond i'll see you on the other you know he's like so happy he's like really Play happy golf <laughs> Uh, very weird. It's a it's that same sort of psycho psychopathic behavior that you see in Bond every time one of the girls he's with in the previous movies gets killed, right. and he's like falling in love with some girl, but she gets killed, and then he's like, "Well, <laughs> forget about her." Right. <laughs> uh, a lot of this, and this is something I didn't know because I didn't read the books until uh, the last year. I haven't read all of them, but a whole bunch of the stuff in this movie comes from. Uh, like bits and pieces from all any it's like they went through all the books like the first 12 or so the Ian Fleming books found anything that they'd never actually used when they made the movies and then just put it in this like the scene where Felix Leiter gets eaten by a shark in a warehouse because of these bad guys that's from that is from one of the early earliest Fleming books in the books Felix Leiter uh other, it might have even been like the second one. Like all but the first James Bond novel, Felix Leiter has a a hook for a hand because of uh, because of the shark incident. I don't. It wasn't his leg; it was his hand that the shark got. Um, 
obviously they didn't take that over to the movies, you know, that, that they didn't do that until, you know, 1989, but it had nothing, but it was from an entirely different, it was like from like Thunderball or something like that. I don't know. Uh, and the, the idea of a bad guy who, uh, who whips his girlfriend, uh, that's from another one. And they just took these pieces and were like, I don't know, let's figure out how to put them in a movie. Yeah. I'm a big and fan one, of Robert Davi, by the way. Which one's he? The bad Sanchez? guy. Yeah. Bad, yeah. Bad he's guy. great. He's a terrifying villain. Yeah. I have he's to a say vil- too, villain I, in Goonies as well. <laughs> I have to say that it was kind of, for a Bond movie, it was a pretty clever story at, at, a, at a certain level. I don't think it was executed very well. But the, the different levels of bad guys with the guy Crest and Sanchez and Bond being on his own trying to avenge his friend's death uh, and the way he sets Crest up with the money on the ship, I thought it was actually pretty clever. I kind of like yeah. that. Like he kind of really very. Speaks. I really liked it too. And Crest was such a weirdo. <laughs> you know can what's you guys going hear on? Opera lady? Can you guys hear Opera Lady? That's by the pretty way, pretty cool. Is that a name? Oh God, you can hear that. You can hear that loud and clear. I don't I'm know. So if, I don't know if it'll read. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it'll wind up in the final mix or not. But if it. <laughs> Maybe we can enhance it somehow. But over over the last, I would say the last fifteen or twenty minutes in the background of Adam's uh, home, <laughs> there's so been somebody it's somebody singing opera. I assumed I assumed you were just into opera and you had to have it going to you know talk about <laughs> the movie. That's not professional. No, I, I if I, had I known I, that uh, you could hear it, I would probably have asked her to. No, I kind of like it. It makes it the way be, I've been wanting to for three years. No, I think it's kind of cool. There's uh, something like I feel like you're in Italy or something and. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's kind of cool. Did you guys notice that the henchmen on the crest ship, the wave crest, uh, that they were wearing like... <laughs> they're all wearing screen, t-shirts. Screen printed t-shirts. <laughs> they're, wearing, they're wearing t-shirts from the sub shack or something like that. <laughs> right, they look the like they're ready to sell hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> so you know embarrassing, right, yeah, though, you're right, in their jeans. Right, you're right. It would have to be like a sub. It would have to be a sub shop because at a fast food place they give you like a a button down uniform. They don't give you a t shirt. Yeah, t shirt is. It, it, like we're gonna give our guys official t shirts. Yeah, they're our, really happy shirts. They're blue. They're blue with a big yellow logo. Right. They should say their names on. Yeah, like Team Zisu or something. <laughs> yeah. So what was up with the winking fish statue at the end? Like I thought that. Like they were going to have Q inside of it or something, but it just winked. Do you remember that? Did you catch no. that? There's the, the just horrible, horrible ending. This I is mean, after. Okay, so the 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 Bond tip here is that if your girlfriend catches you kissing another girl multiple times, you just pull your girlfriend into the pool. She'll laugh a little. Everything is fine, and then a, a you fish got to will the end, right, Adam? I mean, I know Adam. You were just watching it right before the show. You did see the very end, right? Or did I'm, you? I'm watching it right now. <laughs> The fish, the statue the of the idea. fish with a light. It has a, a lit eye, and the fish winks at us, yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm seeing that. Terrible. What the hell? It's so weird. Um, You're watching it's just a prop that – yeah, I'm watching that right now. Well, I think it's it was a, a joke. It's from the filmmaker. It's John Glenn, the director of the movie, of the last five of these movies, winking at us, the audience. Does he do that? <laughs> it does. Has he done that in every movie? Because I – there was also another thing that was really, really bugged me about this movie and, and Glenn in general is that uh, it's always a character doing a double take. Uh, thank God it wasn't Bond in this one, but the pilot in the beginning, 
you know, he's like, he's flying his plane. He's something, oh, yeah. something's wrong. And he looks over yeah. and he sees Bond hanging on the thing and he does this stupid double take. It's just the worst. At least yeah. it wasn't a pigeon doing the double take this time, <laughs> but just so bad. Yeah. I think bad. that the ending, the ending of a movie is so essential because that's what you leave. That's what you walk out of the theater with is the end. Uh, I think that this movie ends so poorly, so spectacularly poorly that it, it, it's what doomed the front, doomed the movie to, to box office. You know, I, I guess it wasn't, a, was it a failure or I think it was just generally, no, poor. it wasn't a failure. It, yeah. It, it made some money. It just, but it, uh, wasn't it had a lot to compete with the, yeah, the, the trivia says that this was the last bond movie that they released in the summer because it had such strong competition that year with, um, what Lethal Weapon two and uh, Last Cru- Indiana Jones Last Crusade, Last Crusade Die Hard, yeah. Um, so from then on, yeah. Now were all subsequent Bond movies for the most part? I mean, there's always been action has always been an element of a Bond film, even to to the very first one. But this felt again like to me, it really felt like an action movie. It was about it was about action. You know, even even just the auction scene uh, a few movies back with Roger Moore, that was this slow paced scene, but it was getting a message across. There were no scenes like that in this movie at all. There was there was no really restful scenes that you didn't really feel like you went to exotic locations and you weren't doing cool spy stuff. It was more like, who's he going to kill? How's he going to kill him or who's getting killed? Yeah, I think all subsequent. Bond movies have been heavy action movies. I wouldn't. Yeah. I would only think of a Bond movie as yeah. an action movie, especially yeah. since uh, Pierce Brosnan took over. I mean, if you look back at the old Connery ones, I mean, you know, there's a couple quick little fist fights or something, but the, the rest of it is like cool stuff Bond is walking around doing, like a day in the life yeah. of Bond. It's not all. Fighting. Yeah, I think Ted the tool the the film make the technical um, constraints. I think prevented like heavy heavy action sequences so like i think if the if the if the camera was big i this is i don't know i think if the camera's bigger and the lights are bigger and everything and you're less you're less able to be mobile i think it's harder to make an action movie so i i think that probably as the as the tools developed through the 80s and it was easier to pick up the camera and move it around and shoot like an actual choreographed action sequence. Yeah, you know what? But I think what you're overlooking, I think what Dan, what you're overlooking is the the way in the old formula that the most of the movie, like the first three quarters of it, get into the setting up the third act was like that. And there weren't really a lot of big set, you know, stunt sequences other right. than like just a quick car jump or something like that. But then they always set up for the end where the big action movie part was a fight with 30 hunt henchmen right right yeah, you're inside that, a no, volcano you're, right, you're, right. you're inside somebody's volcano but it's always in a big it's set. a big setup it's a big deal it's a, oh we've got to destroy the base or the the secret right. layer or a whatever huge set set on a soundstage it's the inside of a volcano yeah. or it's the secret submarine bay that that kubrick came into lit for the one or you know all mm. those big, but or the moon station and moonraker but it's a big thing and there's 50 guys and they all have jumpsuits so you know who's who uh, and that's how they did it. And that just clearly, you know, was just by 1980, by the 1980s was just antiquated. Like that's not what people expected. And nobody was impressed by that anymore. Just sort so of they, like they kept, random individual killing is more what they want. Right. Because even in the last Roger Moore movie, the last Roger Moore movie finished up with that with uh, uh, Christopher Walken and his underground yeah. cave where he was going to blow up the San Andreas Fault. Right. Uh, 
du- a yeah. double earthquake. Right. So with the Dalton ones, they said, okay, no more of that stuff. Uh, you know, and they went to like car chases. Uh, like with, so with the last one, he had the thing with the airplane in Afghanistan where he was chasing it down. And then this one had the trucks, but it's, it's just low rent. It just, you know, it, yeah. it just doesn't, it just looked like a TV show. I mean, it just looked yeah. like they paid for a couple of trucks and set them on fire. How come when, <laughs> when they were shooting the, the Stinger missile at the big rig when he was doing the sideways wheelie? After he, he so they shoot at him, he does the sideways wheelie, and then they just sort of stand there as he slowly approaches in the big rig, and only at the and only at the last minute do they then jump out of the way. It's like you know if you've ever been driving and you see a bird in front of your car and you're like, oh, God, I'm going to run the thing over, and at the last minute, just the very last second, pew, it flies out of the way. That's what these guys do. They it's like they don't think to shoot him as he's approaching. So once he's past them, then, oh, well, now we can shoot him. Now we'll shoot the back of, uh, of, of his big rig where he's essentially invulnerable. Don't, don't shoot him as he's slowly, you know, yeah. shifting from well, first really, to second It's really, really poorly gear. written. The whole, the whole ending sequence, it just makes no sense. I mean, just start with where and, – and this is the, the end of – the last good part of the movie, I thought, was the part where um, Bond is on the tour and Sanchez totally believes that Bond is on his side. But now Benicio del Toro's back, and Bond knows he's screwed because he's going to identify him. Right? right There's right. your last bit of actual setup tension. That was tense. Uh, and then Bond throws a beaker of gasoline, <laughs> and it it destroys this entire modern <laughs> drug processing complex. Right? Like all he did was throw a beaker of gasoline <laughs> so that he could get get a little bit of uh, of helter skelter going on in a he room. Just so wanted he could to get out of the room. Maybe he can get out of the room. Him throwing one beaker of gasoline in a gasoline processing plant, a plant that is set up to – it's like a gas refinery. Right. Brings the whole – blows the whole place up. That's terrible. The guy says 30 seconds after Bond throws the beaker of gas, the guy goes, there's no way I can get this fire under control. <laughs> this is pretty bad. That's really, right. I mean, even by the standards of Bond screenwriting, I mean, that is really, really weak sauce. Well, and, and then and the other thing that I thought too is when he's on on this this the chase scene with the tankers, and uh, he just turns a spigot, and then gas starts flying out of the truck. <laughs> like, imagine like if that's how gas tankers were, where like a kid can sneak up on a guy, <laughs> guy's guy pulls his truck into Denny's to get some breakfast, and uh, like a kid can just walk up and turn the spigot and get the gas to start shooting out the back. Yeah, and cut the brakes with just uh, just those those gigantic tubes that are wrapping around. Just cut those. It's horrible. It's funny that I didn't. I wasn't really thinking about what it was up against in the box office, but just to compare and contrast with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, oh, yeah. which has a very similar chase scene. The one at the end where they're in the tanks and uh, Sean Connery's locked up in a tank, and the, the Nazis are—you know—they're all approaching where the Holy Grail is, and Indiana Jones is on a horse. And uh, I mean, say what you want about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade—that's a heck of a chase sequence, though. It's really good, and there's like a lot going on, and and any single part of it doesn't take more than thirty seconds, and uh, and in the meantime, Bond is just driving a, a gas tanker for fifteen minutes in this movie, bumping into things. <laughs> really, compare. I mean, it really, really compares poorly. I think to to, to the chase sequence. Tell those other movies. Yeah, it's much less sophisticated than any of those other big movies that we mentioned. Yeah. Now, why? Why? Okay, so they say, oh, we, you know, they're back in this lab, and they're like, we, 
then we put the drugs into the gasoline and the, 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 the Hong Kong guys are like, how do you get it out? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like we get it out. What are you worried, you know, worried about? Oh, look, you know, okay, fine. We'll show you. We'll show you that we can get it out. No, we just put it in there and we have this huge operation, but we don't know how to get it out. There's so many little things like that. Like, was it that cool to see this little, you know, pasty poop of a drug thing come out of the gasoline? Like, great. They put in the gasoline. Okay. <laughs> Leave it at that. How do you get it out? Yeah. I got a British sucker who dropped a quarter of a million and he wants to play no limit. Which one? Table two. We don't want you to kill. Plays like a real jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line in the movie. It's a good he time. plays like a real jerk off. <laughs> that was my, that was that was my favorite line too. That was so great. What about the bar fight where <laughs> it was the worst? Oh god, it's so silly. It was it's so, so silly. Did they reuse the set from Roadhouse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, like Airplane, it's the same bar set from Airplane. Oh yeah, Roadhouse. That's the Patrick Swayze movie. Right. I, I keep wanting him to come on the show and talk about one of these Bond movies, but he's too shy. But I watched it with with Jonas. And even oh, Jonas, get him on. even Jonas, we're watching it this morning, and this bar fight breaks out, and he instantly says, "Why are all these other people getting into the fight?" Right? Like, why? It's it's like this this movie universe rule where if it's if it's a dirty looking bar, if it's like a dive bar, if anybody gets in a fight, everybody just turns and punches the person nearest. Right. Them. Right. Whatever <laughs> grudge or angry feeling you had for the other guy, like ten years ago, you know, you had that bet and he won it. Now I'm going to, you know, now I'm taking it out on him. Finally, yeah, I got this opportunity because anything goes now. Now there's a fight. Anything it, goes. This guy was my friend 10 minutes ago. Now I'm kicking the crap. <laughs> it cuts away at one point to a woman who's, sta- who's sitting on the bar and she kicks a guy from her sitting position. And the guy goes, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was really bad. And then when they, when they shoot the shotgun, it makes that perfect like mouse hole that they just jump yeah. right through. How did they do that? It's pretty great. And she gets shot in the back. Oh. No, I like I like where I like before she shoots the hole in though, and she goes, "Where's your boat park?" And he goes, "It's right on the other side of this wall. So if you would shoot a hole through the wall, we could just jump." Through. I mean, it, like, why would you say it's on the other side of this wall? Yeah, and in all, the other rule is that if a bar breaks out, if a bar fight breaks out in a in a dirty bar like that. The dancing girl always has to keep dancing because yes, she's so. Yes, if she's yes. strung out, right. she's so strung out. And then it's uh, just boys being boys. I'll just keep dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and anytime in one of these movies now, it was it wasn't like this before, but now anytime they show a big piece of machinery, you know that the villain's going in there and Bond's going to be hanging over it. <laughs> you just know. You know this one had the big, you know, excessively large set of interlocking gears that I guess were grinding the packs of. Right. Drugs into the gasoline, like you couldn't just open them and dump them in. It had to have a big machine, that, you know, with with easily crushing the bones of human beings. What do you guys think of Wayne Newton? I thought he was kind of good. I thought he yeah. was well cast as that type yeah. of. And again, actually, a very clever idea uh, to have drug runners use a t- you know a televangelist show to to. Uh, convey drug prices around the world yeah. simultaneously in a way that can't be intercepted. It was actually a pretty clever idea. I thought. Yeah, that was, that was clever. I liked And that. I kind of liked, yeah, I thought he was underused even. I loved a way that no matter what 
the the Pam, whatever her name is, Carrie, whatever her name is, no matter what she did to him, he was like, God bless you. Like, yeah. He was just <laughs> like, a chipper guy. He totally <laughs> thought he was going to get to bang this, this groupie who was really, really cute. And she ends up, she pulls a gun on him and does it. And instead of being mad, he actually was chill about it. Yeah. He was like, well, you know, God bless you. And then when she took <laughs> the money from him again, he did the same thing. I thought it was great. <laughs> now, was her hairstyle, like, was that, like, you know, bucking convention in some way? Like, oh, wow, she's she's this beautiful woman and she has short hair. Wow. Like, this is the Bond girl. Wow. Kind of thing. Or was it short hair just in at this point? I can't remember. I think it was pretty typical just normal. hairstyle. In the, in the I think it was a very, very popular 1989 hairstyle. When was Ghost with Demi Moore? Oh, uh, yeah, it was about the same time. Yeah, about the same time. Earlier. Um, I think, yeah, this that woman was completely hot in this haircut. She's got a little bit of a um, – her eyes her eyes were a little bit Mar- Marty Feldman, like in two different directions. <laughs> just the very slightest amount, yeah, but it was so that. hot for some reason. Yeah, it didn't bother me. No. At all. <laughs> didn't bother I'd do her. Can I think it helped. It, it, I think it also helped tell the two girls apart. Not that they yeah, looked I that think. much alike, but there was a, uh, you know, practice. Yeah. You know, the one, the one was just a uh, delicate uh, girlfriend type, but she had the heart of gold. Yeah. And and then the other one was the practical. She's an actual CIA. Uh, was she in the CIA or was she just like a CIA freelancer? I think she was a pilot or something. She was an ex army pilot. Yeah, ex army. Right, pilot but she was also though commissioned. She was secretly, even unbeknownst to Bond, working for Felix Leiter right. to give the the second in command guy the uh, the deal, the immunity deal. It wasn't clear uh, to me whether she was like just hired for the job or if she was an agent. Right. I got the impression she was just like brought in. Even with that bad haircut at first, before she got it clipped. <laughs> but the ending is just—I mean—and it just stinks. I think Timothy Dalton. I, I, watching these two movies, he I, he had a good take on the character, and he just got stuck in two bad movies, yeah. you know, or two movies that just could have been so much better. You know, I think uh, it felt like they tried to write. So this is what it felt like to me: is that he insisted way before being in the movies, he insisted that he's, he'd bring this seriousness and avoid all the um, all of the humor of the Roger Moore. And that it, as a way to counteract that, they wrote more humor into the script. Right. Like they gave him they gave him some comic relief in like the 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 big black guy character and the Sharky in the beginning. Right. Yeah, like that Sharky. guy. Why why would that guy be a sidekick like a Bond sidekick in the beginning of the movie? Yeah. Why was sense. he riding in the car with them? It didn't, right. didn't make any sense. Didn't make sense. Don't leave me to tell your wife you're going to be late. You know what yeah. is he? What was he there for? Dumb. Who is this Dumb. guy? Like you get the you get the fact that Felix and Bond they go way back, and then, oh well, we got Sharky squeezed into the back of this rolls in between us. It was yeah. awkward. I, I think it's like they wanted to put a touch of lethal weapon into it. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, right. yeah. I can see that. Right, because that's then part they, of they the even, lethal weapon formula. They even wrote a little bit of naked gun in there with the slaps. There was some uh, over the top slapsticky stuff in the gadget in the sl- in the sl- in the gadget sequence. You know, the uh, where where. Uh, Q comes in and shows him all of the all of the gadgets, right? And well, f- the first one that that is totally out of character is the dent dentonite, the toothpaste that's plastique, yeah, right. Um, which is just silly. And then the second one that's just way over the top is the Polaroid that takes an X-ray picture <laughs> and a picture shoots on a deadly the wall. laser, right? Both, yeah. <laughs> so it so you see through to the bones of the person whose portrait is on the wall. That's right. It showed the bones in the picture. Yeah, it's oh, that's dumb. so weird. You know I what? I remember that's that. It, I'm, 
That's weird. The ending of this movie is so ignominious. So he's made his choice. He's got two women to choose from. He's made his choice, but he he pisses the one that he you know that he wants off because he kisses the other one. And then the right. Maker, it, right this, he, it, it, the ending is deserving or causing public disgrace or shame. Right. He he. It's an adjective. Jumps into a pool. What was it about the eighties that made people want to jump in a pool in movies with their clothes on? <laughs> I don't know. It was a big thing. You're right. It was a big thing in the eighties. With like, the right it, kind it, of music it, too, it if, could be fun. If you saw a swimming pool in an eighties movie, you know that someone's going in with their clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> like it or not. Right, so that's the last we see of of Timothy Dalton as James Bond is him in a tuxedo in a swimming pool, being winked at from a stone fish. Yeah, right. Yeah, just pan off, pan off to the fish, and it'll wink at us. Oh, it's going to be brilliant, brilliant. Cut, print, brilliant. Some of my best Bond work. <laughs> that was my impression of John Glenn. It's wonderful. Thanks. It was perfect. It's I thought you were on. playing. A, I thought you were playing a clip from the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was you. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! I thought that was behind the scenes. <laughs> it's a good movie, though. Overall, I still enjoyed it. So next next time we have uh, what's next? We have Goldeneye. Golden. Goldeneye. Uh, yeah. So they skipped for all the for they skipped Bond for all those years because of a lawsuit, right? <clears throat> and Timothy Dalton dropped out of the third movie he was contractually obligated to. Right, six years before another Bond movie. Was there was the pre- there was a previous gap for a number of years, but I don't believe it was that long. No, no. Even between uh, the last Timothy Dalton and the first of the new, the the truly rebooted Craig one, it wasn't that long. I don't think. Mm-hmm. It wasn't six years. So what's yeah. uh, what's your what was your so now having you know seen more of them I think we asked Adam this the last time what's your favorite Bond movie now so far uh, I'll stick with either Living Daylights View to a Kill or Live and Let Die View to a Kill really yeah. I haven't seen it in probably 28 years. Yeah, don't watch it again. Keep your memories alive. <laughs> Keep your memories alive. Yeah, I, re- I remember going back. I haven't actually listened to it, but when John and I first started talking uh, about doing these, uh, I think, John, you said, was it From Russia With Love is your favorite yeah. or, or was? Because you had yeah. just recently rewatched them, and I was like, oh, no, I love View to Kill. That's a good one. And then having watched it, I mean, like, I remember watching From Russia with Love and thinking that that was that was really good. I really enjoyed that. And now I, I, I like I hate to say it, but that's really in my probably one or top one or two also. And it, it's the newer ones are just they're they're really as as silly or funny as they are. As much as I might enjoy watching them, like I can't. Yeah, Adam, don't watch a video kill again. Okay, I won't. Thank really you. don't. I mean, really don't. Like if you really really want to, still don't. <laughs> just keep what you have keep it alive keep the dream alive okay you know how they say never meet your idol or your role model in in person because you'll be disappointed like don't watch yeah. this movie again yeah that's why i never want to meet you in person i was man. just gonna say that <laughs> but you about you not about me about you so where about can you. people go who the people who do idolize you 
<coughs> how can they continue to do this online? My name.com is probably the best place. And then uh, Adam, Twitter. Adam yeah, and Lonely Sandwich. Twitter. It's a good good person to follow. A lot of great stuff on there. And you probably won't be back next week, though, to talk about GoldenEye, but we will have um, you back again. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. That's it, I'm going right? to go jump in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't do that anymore because of cell phones. Right. No. What if somebody pushed you? I would be... <laughs> Furious. Yeah, like the furious. worst thing that would happen is you take your dollar bills out of your wallet and let them dry on the chair. <laughs> right now, no, my computer was in there. You asked me. <laughs> right, everything I own. We've all got seven hundred dollars cell phones in our pocket. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, cell phones changed all that. Here, here, here's one more sound clip. Can I leave you with one more sound clip? Yeah, we'll end on that. Okay. I help people with problems. Problem solver. I'm more of a problem eliminator. <laughs> That's it. The most protracted, <laughs> awkward laugh ever. <laughs> I just imagine John Glenn telling him, and then you guys all laugh like a bunch of bad guys. And then they're like, yeah. why? Why would we laugh? What he said was funny. Yeah. And he's like, no, just laugh. Don't worry, just laugh. Far too long, far too long. More laughter. And hold it and cut. Brilliant.